0: Hello, this is Joseph Carlson. This is episode 15 of Gaming with Grief. Uh, I'm titling this episode the Reading Episode. And I'd like to start out every episode by saying that I am not a licensed bonded therapist. I'm just sharing my opinion. So if you've gone through grief or going through grief or going through something horrible, like if you're thinking of harming yourself or uh, doing anything illicit like drugs or alcohol, or you're thinking of drinking and driving, Please don't do it. Uh, in fact, last episode, I mentioned there was uh, a phrase, it's okay to not be okay. And there was an organization that used that phrase uh, to basically, you know, tell people it's okay to not be okay and also uh, to get the word out about their organization. Bas- the organization is called the National Alliance of Mental Illness uh, or uh, uh, NAMI. NAMI. Or Nami, I don't know how to pronounce it, but their slogan is, it's okay not to be okay. So I screwed it up, but I think I got the general idea. So if you are having mental health problems, if you're thinking of harming yourself or harming someone else, or if you're thinking of, again, drinking and driving or doing something horrible, go to their website, NAMI. Uh, just type in, it's okay to not be okay, and it was like this, it was like the first Google search. If I was very good at my job or the podcast... I would tell you the web address, but I did not write that down. But their slogan is, it's okay not to be okay, and it's the National Alliance of Mental Illness. So, again, that's just a heads up. I said I was going to do that last week, get that for you, and I got that for you. So, again, I've titled this episode the reading episode, and you can probably tell why. It's because I've been reading a lot, and yes, I've been reading about grief. Um, everything I've read lately has to do with grief in some way, um, my therapist weeks ago, probably months ago, recommended that I read a book called Define Fine and Private Place by Peter S. Beagle that was published in 1960, and I purchased the book, and I'm about, mm, I would say a third of the way through it. It's actually a really short book. It's only about 260-some-odd pages, depending on the, the Wikipedia, which isn't always 100% accurate. Uh it says 272. I think mine is a few pages short of that. Anyway. It's not a long novel. It's you know just over 250 pages, and it is very good. I will not give a lot away. I'll just tell you the plot. The plot of the book is basically there is a cemetery in New York that is fictional. I'm not going to tell you the name. Uh, I know the name of it, but I'm not going to tell you the name. I, I have <coughs> been reading it. I have retained that much, but There is a man, a caretaker there, who basically, not, he isn't hired by the cemetery, but he basically is living there, uh, kind of squatting, and he has the ability to commune with ghosts. Uh, He cannot leave, and obviously the ghosts cannot leave. Uh, People come to him as ghosts who have been buried at the cemetery, and they basically talk to him until they move on. That's all I'm going to say. And, uh, there isn't so far a lot of characters in the novel, which I enjoy. So you can really focus on, um, these characters, which I really like. There's the caretaker, uh, Ray Beck, if I'm pronouncing his name right. Uh, that's his last name. Uh, there is a ghost. Uh, I'll just call him Mr. Morris. That's his name. And there's another ghost. Uh, I believe, uh, she just got introduced. So I believe Alice. Um, And uh, there's another woman, uh, Mrs. Clapper, who came to the cemetery cemetery to... uh, You know what? I'm screwing up all the names, I think, because I'm I'm getting to the point where they're just introducing a few of these characters. Long story short, there's only about five people in the whole novel, and I enjoy that, because it really helps you focus on these people, or ghosts, and kind of experience what they're experiencing with grief. And... uh, you know, everybody is grieved. Uh, the caretaker cannot leave, so he is grieved from that. Um, he's obviously made mistakes in his life, which I haven't got all the way into because I'm only about a third of the way through. Actually, I'm closer to about 100 pages, so it's about half. So, But he's slowly telling his story to these spirits that are visiting him, and you slowly start figuring out more about the spirits because as they are spirits and they are on the earth in the novel, their memories fade uh, and they explain why. Again, I'm not going to give anything else away, but it is very good. Again, my therapist recommended that I read it. And uh, I did. I mean, I am. So it's, uh, it's good. I enjoy it. I see why he wanted me to read it. Because everybody in the novel is touched by grief somehow. And uh, everybody that you meet is kind of uh, grieving in their own way. It may be abstract, but I kind of get it. Some of the people they've introduced... You know, this character in the... No- well, you know I don't want to give anything away. I don't want to give anything away. Uh, I tried to get it on Kindle digitally. You could probably get it from the library. Obviously, I tried to, but there was a very long uh, hold time for the novel. Apparently, it's very popular. It was published in 1960, um, which is weird. It's a very old novel, but uh, I just purchased it. It was like 11 or 12 bucks on Amazon, and I actually got the hardcover. I wanted it for the Kindle, but uh, they don't have it available for the Kindle, which is weird to me. Um, but it is very good. I recommend it. It's called A Fine and Private Place by Peter Beagle. It was published in nineteen sixty. Uh it's like I said, it's about two hundred and sixty some odd pages. It's it's a little over two fifty, so it's not a Moby Dick type book on grief, which is uh you know, is uh it's always I think that's a thing is that uh you know, uh, with grief and everything, sometimes maybe the shorter books are better. You know, maybe it's uh, it's good that things are brief. And um, in the novel, uh, you know, he's not the type of novels, at least in this novel, where he goes into a lot of detail about the drapes in a house or the cracked paint inside a grocery store or what. Uh, you know the the, the leaves uh, or the trees in the cemetery. It's all very, very. Um, I don't know. It, it, you you ex- you examine the people more than you examine the places, which give you gives you a sense of where they're at, if that makes sense. Basically, it's examining the place through them. Uh, there is some scenes where obviously they kind of explain the lay of the land. Um, and that is good, but it's, he doesn't dwell on it. Um, I enjoy Lord of the Rings, but Tolkien sometimes talks about the shapes of the rocks and how the trees go and the, and the, the streams running through uh, you know, the hills of Middle-earth, which really sets a stage, obviously, for the novel, and you understand where everybody's going and what is happening. You know, You could draw your own map, probably, to where those people are walking. This novel is not that novel. And I don't want that to sound negative. It's just the idea that it's brief. In fact, uh, when I was researching the book uh, before the show to get the dates right and the pages right and all that and the um, author's name correctly, um, they, you know some people uh, basically said the novel was poor because it was very short, uh, which I don't think is a bad thing. But I guess for some people it is a bad thing. Maybe, maybe it's good that they wanted more. You know, I guess that is a positive thing. A quick aside, I was listening to some criticism of the new season of Game of Thrones, and I won't spoil anything, but, you know, there's been a lot of backlash about the last season of Game of Thrones, and it was um, it was an actress, Kristen, Kristen Bell. She was talking about it, like, in an interview, and uh, she said her thing. She didn't rip on the writers or anything, you know, like a lot of people are doing online, but she basically said... You know, I was talking to a friend of mine who was a writer and wrote on another show. I forget that person's name, but she said, basically, I trust him. He's been in the business for a while. And we were talking about it, and she goes, I was trying to be nice about it. You know, I wasn't trying to rip on the writers. I was talking about how they made their own decisions. And his only response was, yeah, but didn't you want more? And she goes, yeah, I did want more, you know. And so I think that's a fine line between people wanting more and, you know, closing a story to a natural conclusion. And I think so far from what I'm reading, I like the pace of the novel. I think everything will be in a good place at the end. Um, already what they've said about grief and things have really affected me. And when when I – probably when I get done with the, the book, I will – I will, actually not probably, but when I get done with the book, there was a few quotes that really hit me, especially dealing with grief. And um, – I will read them out on the show. I will quote the book. I'm not going to type a page. Some of them are a few hour, uh, you know, just a few sentences long. I don't know why I said a few hours, but they're a few sentences long. And so I will just read them uh, just to give you context. It'll it'll maybe be two because there's going to be more, obviously. But there's there's probably two or three that uh, really hit me, and they'll be out of context. But I think they're great uh, responses to grief. Um, And I don't know. The Wikipedia was very short. I haven't read about Peter S. Peter S. Beagle. I don't know if he experienced grief, if his, uh, you know, family member, wife, or anybody passed away. But um, you know, it's uh, it's pretty amazing. how he's able to touch on some things, um, you know. But I guess that's why he's a very accomplished writer, apparently. But it's amazing how people can touch on these things and not have any. If they don't have any context for it, you know, like I said, maybe somebody in his life passed away and it was tragic and he thought a lot about it. Uh, But I think that's the amazing thing about writing is it's, uh, I think I heard that, okay, so uh, this is a walk, but I listened to uh, a show, which I will get all the information of that next week, but it's a, I like long form interview shows. I listen to Mark Maron's WTF podcast. There's another one I listen to. Um, it's called We All, We Have Cool Friends. It's by Kind of Funny. They were formerly of IGN. They broke off, made their own web uh, web business. Basically, that sounds bad, but basically, they post content on YouTube and Twitch and things like that. They have several shows. Uh, Greg Miller is the host. He, like I said, he used to be of IGN. There's a few people that used to be IGN that are there, but he started another long form interview show because he used to do them by IGN. Called Up at Noon, and now he's doing We Have Cool Friends as Kind of Funny. And they had a writer, who I will be talking about in a little bit, because he's also written some comics, and in the, in the long form of it. it was fascinating. This comic sound really good. Um, but anyway, long story short, I will get the name of the, the author of the comics, and um, I think he was quoting someone else. Uh, but I will get that. Uh, and he had a very good quote about writing, which this is a walk, but stay with me, so his thing about writing is two people walking in the street basically can't fathom what the other person's thinking about. I mean, we can we can always guess that guy's thinking about going shopping or seeing his significant other or spending time with his kids or whatever he's thinking about. You know, it's it's, it's impossible to know. But when someone writes something that is so true to you and it hits you in your soul, uh... That is amazing. And that's what he said great writing does. It's almost taking a bridge between two people and connecting them through a common thought. So it's almost like you reach across this abyss and you hear someone's thoughts and sometimes they hit you in a profound way. And uh, good or bad, profound can be good or bad. So um, yeah, I think there's moments in this book where the quotes that he uses hit me in a profound way and 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 he didn't know like he's probably passed again uh the wikipedia doesn't really mention a lot about him uh well of course i was just looking up the book but um it was kind of amazing to hear these have these quotes written down and they just hit you right you know right in the in, in the heart and in the head and you think about them and um he had no idea that i would go through obviously what i did i don't know what he's gone through cuz I, I didn't i'm a terrible host and i didn't research that but um you know when when you can make that bridge between two incomprehensible things your thoughts and my thoughts or two people's thoughts and they hit you it's it's really great um and that's what he's done and i don't think i don't you know i'm 100 i'm about 100 pages in i don't think it's just going to stop i don't think there's any there's any less profound things happening you know in the rest of the novel So um, yeah, so again, it's uh, the book's called "A Fine and Private Place." Libraries, try that out. Try um, you know uh, you know just pick it up on Amazon. It was eleven bucks. It's a paperback. Uh, Do that. Um, The next thing I'm going to talk about, I've been reading a comic called Revival. Um, It is finished, so I'm getting the volumized thing where it's about five or six issues. So I'm on volume three which means I'm like up through, I think, issue 10 or 11. And the basic idea of revival... Uh, again, I'm a terrible host, and I probably should have written down uh, who wrote this. I will next episode. Um, I'm writing a note down. And then I'll probably give you another update because I have been... Um, I have been reading more of it. There's several volumes. I am to. Again, I'm, I'm on volume, t- I've read volume two, I purchased volume three, they're about ten bucks a volume, so you're getting, you know, six issues of a comic, about 150 pages for ten bucks. Uh, I get it on comiXology, but the basic idea is in the Midwest, uh, people have started uh, raising from the dead, and not in the morbid zombie way, but they have been basically just waking up, like from a long nap. So if you passed away, uh, you've woken up. And, uh, basically the, 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 uh, local law enforcement tries to obviously figure out what's going on because that's very strange. And they find that these people, they start calling them the revived. Uh, they're basically effectively immortal. So, uh, things are changing in the novel, but as it stands right now, if you are wounded or injured or someone tries to kill you when you are revived, you basically are Wolverine. You your wound heals and you wake up. You're basically uh, undead. Uh, but one of the characters is revived, and I think in the it's in the second volume because I've only read volume one and two. She is sewing something um, in the morning, and she doesn't have a shirt on. And she is uh, you see scars all over her body. So you still hold the scars of where you were injured, but you can't be killed. As I've seen so far, you can't be killed. Um, there's a massive revelation in the end of Volume 2 Again, I won't ruin it, read it um, Again, check the libraries, I would say I got it from Comixology That's how they get you I got the Comixology, the Unlimited uh, Which sounds great, because you're like, oh wow I could read all these comics for free But what they do, just like a drug dealer Or somebody that's illicit They give you the first volume for free and you think, man, this is good, that's how I read Revival I thought, this is really good Let me go see if the second volume is available No, nope, you gotta buy it Hey, welcome you want a name? What time do you want to get this? You know, it's pretty illicit that they do that. So uh, now I'm purchasing the rest, which is great for the author, right? They get more money and all this stuff. Um, I think The Boys is available. That's a show on, Netflix, on uh, not Netflix, but Amazon. I think the, all of The Boys, they, they run rotating sales and things. Um, uh, but I will get the author next week of Revival. And uh, again, I've told you the plot summary, but I'll get the author of that to pimp that a little bit more because... Uh, you know it's it's written very well, and you know the, the people don't know what to do. And even what I like is it, it focuses a little bit more on the revived. You know the idea that they don't like what's happening at all. Too one of the you know no spoilers just in the first volume, but one of the first people is very religious that is revived, and she is basically upset that she was religious her whole life. She's Christian, and she didn't get to rest. So she's mad at being revived. She wanted to, you know, move on. uh, And that didn't happen. So um, it's very good. It's written really well. Obviously, there's a fantastical element to it, but it also shows this town because the revival, the revived, are only, uh, they're only reviving in one small town. Um, So. Uh, The police and the CDC have set up a quarantine around the town. Tensions are getting high because no one can leave the town. Um, You know, and some people believe it's Satan that's doing this. And, you know, nobody knows what's going on. And so there's this tension there in the town of everybody trying to hold things together. And it's really good. And, And I like it because it focuses more on... You know, whenever you experience grief, there's moments or periods, uh, like for me, where you think um, you want to see your loved one again, right? You miss them so much. Uh, you think to yourself, I, you know, I'd really just like to call my fa- father or mother, or in my case, I'd like to hold my children. Um, but you can't. And I think there's a reason. You know, there's a reason for that. What would happen if the people that you cared so much about were alive again? You know, uh, what what would happen? You know, would you want to spend time with them? You know, and and I've been thinking about that a lot Um, because I have been thinking about my parents a lot lately. And you know, I have I did the I did the thing that happens in movies a lot when you miss someone you love. In movies, they usually have that one voice message they listen to uh with their loved ones and and they in everything dealing with grief and movies they listen to it several times i have not i've listened to east message once um just to hear the voice of the person that passed um and i don't i haven't deleted them but i haven't listened to them again because you know it's in a way it is heartbreaking to do that again you know and uh I I understand. Uh, Right now, you know, it seems like a lot of my life is kind of swallowed up in grief. I've been thinking about my kids a lot and my parents again, but um, you know, I think I'm I'm at a either a low or a high point in the wave of grief, which I've heard grief described as a wave. You know, Um, but my therapist I think was correct in saying that you know you can't push it away, you can't you can't ignore it. Uh, you have to lean into it. So the little bit of writing I've done has been about grief. You know, the first, I, I want to, um, you know, write more, obviously, and it's going to be about grief. And I think I've accepted that fact. I don't think I'm, I don't want to run away from it. I don't want to hide from writing about grief. I You know, I'm just going to write about it. And um, hopefully that'll help. And hopefully... Uh, That will make, you know, maybe change my attitude a little bit. Um, I don't know. Obviously, I'm never going to forget the people I've lost. Um, Like we talked about a few episodes ago with uh, Nora uh, Nora McIrney and, uh, you know, her podcast, Terrible Things for Asking, and her TED Talk. You know, you don't move on from grief. You move on with grief. And I think that makes it easier um, I've, had, I've been listening to her podcast more. Uh, terrible, thanks for asking. I think I mentioned last episode. It is very well produced. You know, it's it's got a very serial vibe to it. You know, there's music interludes. They they go back and forth between interviewing people. They take quotes from people. Um, last episode I listened to was uh, two parents who had lost their daughter, who was only probably two years old, and it was a tragic accident. Uh, literally of her sitting in a park bench with her grandmother in New York and a brick from a nearby building just loosened from the building and, and hit their daughter. And she was two, and uh, she passed away. And it's a tragic, tragic accident, you know. Um, but, like, how random that grief can be, you know. Some, Like I said in other podcasts and other episodes that, you know, some people can, you know, the uh, grief can be a long illness, so you can see it coming. You can see the people passing away. Uh, Other grief can be quick. You know, someone's involved in a car accident, or there's violence, like a drive-by, you know, something like that. Uh, These things happen, and it's terrible. And it's how you, you know, deal with all that stuff. And um, that's kind of what I'm doing now. I don't know if I'm at a low point. I've just been thinking about loss a lot lately. Um. I'm gonna see my therapist in a few weeks. He's out of town, so hopefully that'll help. Um, I don't feel you know suicidal or anything like that. It just has been. I've been thinking about it and dwelling on it more. You know, um, so yeah, I did actually have a good weekend though. It's, it's I'm recording this on, on the Labor Day weekend. Um, again, this will post every Monday, and it'll be Labor Day this time, but it'll post on Labor Day at 7 a.m. on the morning on uh, www.gamewithgrief. I will leave the comments open, so if you want to drop a comment there, anything like that, let me know. Um, also, if you want to drop me a line, you can drop me an email at gwgjac@outlook.com or gwgpod zero four at gmail.com so you can drop me a line at both of those places uh i will check uh the old uh the past episodes for comments if you want me to read it i will read it if you don't want me to read it just write in the you know in parentheses or in the email somewhere you know do not read please do not read um again uh if you need help and you're thinking of hurting yourself or Doing another line of coke, or doing more heroin, or shooting up, or just drinking more—don't uh, do it. Go get help. There's tons of organizations out there. People in your life do care. Um, you know, people will really listen to you. Uh, if you're religious, talk to your pastor. Uh, or not. Go to a secular therapist if you can. And um, you know, be good to yourself. Everybody always says to be good to other people. Which is true, you know. You should be good to other people. Kindness, the golden rule: do unto you as you want. You know, you know, do unto you as you want done to others. I probably screwed that up, Um, but the idea is, you know, you'd be kind to other people. But I think you have to be kind to yourself too. You know, Um, be kind to yourself. Be kind to other people. If you need help, please get help. Uh, Read uh, a fine and private place uh, by Peter Spiegel. If again, if you need help, go to the National Alliance. On mental illness uh, It's a good resource, go there It's okay uh, not to be okay And uh, check out Revival Next week I'll get you the uh, I'll get you the author's name And the the, the artist's name And uh, I'll also talk about we have, we have Cool Friends I'll give you that author's name He's written two He's written several comics but two i think on his own one is finishing up and the other one is just starting and those i think are interesting concepts and I'll, i'm writing a note right now to get that info next week um so until then i'll see you guys uh next week and uh you know have a good week bye